I'm Heather. And I'm Corey. And this is Movie Shelf, where we talk about movies, movie trivia, and just about anything related to pop culture. We're glad you're here. Oh, Corey, what can it be? Gee, I wonder. In today's episode, we are talking about Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. We'll also chat about the 20 movies on our radar for 2020. And of course, we'll enjoy a side of bacon. Mmm, bacon. Alright, before we really get into things, we do want to preface that we... We figured that the best way to talk about the movie is to talk about some of the completeness of the movie, which means that there will be some spoilers. So keep that in mind. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. So Rise of Skywalker is episode nine in the Skywalker saga, tying up the story nicely. Maybe a little too nicely. Hmm. It appears as though Emperor Palpatine is back from the dead. Working to recruit Kylo Ren. Or anybody. (laughs) However, the catch is that Kylo has to get rid of Rey. The Emperor wants her out of the picture. Meanwhile, Rey is engaging in Jedi training under the direction of Leia. Poe and Chewie and Finn are recovering data from a spy to help with the rebellion. And the connection between Rey and Kylo Ren seems to be growing They have this definite... It seems to grow by leaps and bounds with every episode. (laughs) Yes. um, There's definitely something there. And they each battle their own demons. And I'm going to say angels, maybe. You know, they're kind of both battling the little devil and the angel on the shoulder. And the story culminates in an epic battle against the Emperor. So, Corey, what did you like about the film? Um, It does bring back some nice feelings and emotions from the... Original trilogy. Um, some things I didn't like about, about it is that it's a little too repetitive of the scenes from the original trilogy. <laughs> yeah, so I put that the movie is a nice bow for the entire saga. As I mentioned earlier, it ties it up pretty nicely, as you pointed out, maybe just a little too nicely. It's almost as if JJ had this checkbox of everything he needed to check off while making this movie, and all the checkboxes were just checked off a little too neatly. <laughs> And there is plenty of nostalgic moments, um, as you mentioned, complete with, you know, even having, I think his name was Wedge Antilles, um, who, I forgot the actor's name, though, um, but he's a pilot from the original Yes, um, the series. Original, a New Hope. Yes, yeah, so he kind of flies in a, in a scene saying, you know, nice flying Lando, which that's also a, a little Easter egg to let you know that Lando's in the film. And also the um, the plot elements, as you were kind of saying, they're very reminiscent. Um, so they're very much like Return yeah. of the Jedi. A little too reminiscent. <laughs> Even with, I think, the ending scene, I was like, oh, this this feels like the same scene. Uh, if from that episode, that should be four, I guess. Um, right? It was that episode? No, not episode. That would be six. Six, yes. Um, with the Death Star being destroyed and you know seeing it falling from the sky. Um, so we see plenty of great Jedi tricks coming from Rey. She has some new ones. Yeah, she's definitely exploring all the power that she has. And there's definitely some interesting Jedi mastery, in a sense, between her and Kylo Ren. Which it's like, oh, this is a whole new level of uh, Jedi, Jedi power, yes. <laughs> 
And okay, so definitely a spoiler. I didn't like the fact or how things ended with Kylo Ren. Neither did I. Specifically that he died. I personally would have been a little bit more satisfied if Ray was one to end up dying and Kylo uh, lived. <laughs> yeah, I think I think with the idea of the arc of the character, I think it would have been really cool for Kylo to have survived. And I like you, I would have been fine if Ray didn't survive. It has nothing. I think I think that just would have been a good arc for her story. Um, she's a really cool character. Or I would have been happy for them both to survive because I think that would have been really also a cool arc for their characters since they seem to have this interesting connection. I would have enjoyed that one as well. Yeah, they seem to be kind of like their own yin and yang. So that was a little disappointing. So we were both on the same level with that one. I think also another spoiler is that I, but I really enjoyed one of my favorite scenes and looking through the Twitterverse and other webverse of places. I think other people, this is probably one of their favorite scenes, is just being able to hear all the Jedi voices. So there's a moment in the film where Ray is trying to become one with the Jedi and one with the Force, I guess. Yes, and and then you start hearing all these Jedi, I guess, masters from the past cheering her on, rooting for her. And there's some familiar voices, and um, and then actually for us there were some not so familiar voices, but some of the familiar ones. Um, there's Yoda, of course. There's Obi Wan Kenobi, the Ewan McGregor Obi Wan. <laughs> There's Qui-Gon Jinn, there's Mace Windu, Luke, Leia. Anakin, um, I believe. Yeah, even yeah. Anakin. But then they apparently also pulled in Jedis from um, like the Clone Wars yes. animated series, mm-hmm. um, the Rebels, um, I think was in there as well. So I'm not as familiar with some of those Jedi, but they were in there too. So that was just a really cool moment, just again, to bring all of these elements that make up Star Wars together. Again, in that nice bow, but really cool. A really cool bow. <laughs> now, pretty much all the Jedis that you see in the Clone Wars do exist in the Episodes 1, 2, 3 trilogy. You just really don't hear all the voices necessarily. But okay. the characters are there. Even Anakin's apprentice? No, no, not her. But yeah. <laughs> okay. And then also another cool thing, uh, so kind of an Easter egg, is that Palpatine quotes himself... Uh, oh, no, no, I don't know if he quotes himself, but he quotes from the Revenge of the Sith. Um, and it was, I thought it was interesting because even you finished the quote. Yeah, yeah, because he did say it in that episode. Do you remember well. that quote? Yes. What is the quote? Well, not word for word, no. All right, so the dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. All right, so another really cool Easter egg of the film was Red 5. So this is Luke's X-Wing. Ray gets to fly it, but I think one really cool factor was the fact that Luke, so Luke comes back in his glowing Force um, look, and he raises his X-Wing from, I guess, decided to be with him in that area, but... Raises it finally. So I think it's really cool because in Return of the... Was it Return of the Jedi? No, Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. He tries to raise his X-Wing and he fails. Yes, and then Yoda has to do it for him. And of course, they had the exact same music going. (laughs) (laughs) So that was, again, a nice little bow 
that Luke finally raises his X-Wing and then... Um, Box checked. Yes. <laughs> and Ray gets to fly it. And it's really cool because I think that, was it uh, R2-D2 is like, Luke is on the radar or something like that when she starts kind of flying into the Rebels base area. The Sith signal. base area. The Sith base Not area. Not the Rebels. They are the Rebels. I know that they're the Rebels, but she was sending them the signals yeah. so that they would follow her. And then... One more cool other factor that I think you got really excited about is Ray's lightsaber. Yes, at the very end of the movie, when she finally creates her own. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and but what's special about her lightsaber? Well, so through other me- canon media of Star Wars, such as video games, books, animated series, and so forth, you do see yellow lightsabers used by the Jedi. But you've never seen a yellow lightsaber in the canon movies. Okay, although it's commonly referenced in other sources, until now you finally see a yellow lightsaber when Rey evidently makes her own. So I thought that was also really cool. Um, her her lightsaber did look very nice, and it looked like her, a little more rugged looking. I think you liked her switch on. Yeah, she had a good, she had a really cool switch on. It wasn't just a little button. <laughs> I thought this was a really cool film. I think I went into it a bit skeptical. The previews looked really cool, so I, I had super high hopes, but I just did not like The Last Jedi so much. So I think for in that regard, I only I could only be wowed, hopefully, by The Rise yeah. of Skywalker. And so I appreciate the fact that I, it did not make me mad. First off, plain and simple. But not only that, it I just I had a lot of joy and fun with it. I think it was really cool the way they pulled things together and you know and ended the saga in a sense. It would have been a really cool movie if Return of the Jedi had not already existed. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't know would it have because I think it just kind of it, it nodded to it. No, no, but I mean, there's nods and then there's being. Too nostalgic. And this was, in my opinion, too too carbon copy. Hmm. I was okay with it. Um, I was actually, as soon as as soon as soon we walked out of the theater, I think the first thing I asked my brother was if it was too cutesy for him. Because I know he tends to not like Return of the Jedi because there's too much cutesiness to it. Well, um, is that cutesiness with the Ewoks or yes. cutesiness with everything tied up being a, tied up in a nice bow too pretty? <laughs> well, Return of the Jedi is the Ewoks. Yeah. Yeah, that's why it's cutesy. Okay. Um, so he was he was relatively okay with this one. I think it was he had the same concern perhaps about the that it was tied up very neatly, but it was just a lot of fun. I think to see all the characters. I know Chewie got that medal that he never had gotten, <laughs> and so he finally got his medal. And well, he didn't get his. He got he got well, Hans. he got Leia's or oh, Hans. Oh, I guess it might have been Leia's. I don't. Know. He finally was given a medal. Yeah, Leia wasn't given the medal because she was presenting the medal. Okay. So well, it she been gave Hans. him a medal yeah. finally. Since for some reason he didn't get a medal initially, I guess you know, Chew Chew or Wookies didn't get medals. I don't know. Well, I, I think it kind of makes sense. They only gave them to the pilots of the two ships mm-hmm. that saved the day. Oh, okay, okay. You know, I mean, R two D two was with Luke's ship, but he didn't get a little medal. You know. <laughs> um. Closer to the beginning, when Kylo Ren is first finding the Emperor's lair, uh-huh. it, to me it felt very like very classic Frankenstein. Um, you know, there's the lightning and it's dark, and you know he's back from the dead essentially. So it had that almost like classic 
haunted horror film kind of feel. Oh, yeah. Um, which I thought was nice. And then it ended, kind of circled back. And so the movie kind of ends to some degree in that same area um, with the final fight scene and showdown. And again, the classic good versus evil and weighing those options and weighing those decisions. And so when Ray first enters that area and enters that room, that felt very reminiscent to Empire Strikes Back. Oh, definitely. With Luke being in his training and feeling the need to go down this cave and Yoda's like, you know. Your weapons, you do not need them. <laughs> yes. But he takes it anyway and kind of just, you know, gets a little carbon copy of himself or potential future of himself. Yes. So I thought well, that was interesting. Of his dad. Yeah, but it's also a potential future of himself if he follows his dad. Yeah. yeah. That's the whole point. Same thing with Ray. It's a potential future When the bass did explode off, it was his face inside of it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, although, I think when we were done kind of going back to the lightsaber discussion, my brother was like, he sh- that, you know, was saying, like, she should have made the lightsaber she had in that, you know, in that Vision. room. <laughs> that was a cool lightsaber. So I thought it was good. I thought that the characters were fun. I know people are really sad and frustrated that I think the actress is Kelly Tran. Um, I think it was her name was Rose in the film. The engineer mm-hmm. lady. Why she didn't get more screen time. and Which was kind of silly because Finn, like there's a scene where Finn's like, you want to come with? And she's like, no, Leia wants me to stay here. And it's like, okay. Like, you don't get to go on the ship. It seemed like she had a much bigger part in the previous movie than this one. Yeah, so why they did that, I don't know. Um, Because she's a quirky character. Oh, we haven't even talked about Carrie Russell's character. She was kind of cool. Oh, you really almost didn't see her. (laughs) Well, it's kind of funny. I was reading about um, her and that role. And she, um, apparently she and J.J. Abrams are friends... And he asked her to be in the film, and she's like, sure. And um, the moment she got to see her costume, and particularly her helmet, she never wanted to take it off. She's <laughs> like, this is so cool. I'm like the coolest looking character here. I don't want to take this off. Even when even when the cameras weren't rolling and JJ's like talking to her about who knows what. She and, kept it on. <laughs> yeah. He's like, are you ever going to take it off? And she's like, no. <laughs> she's a Mandalorian now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the way. No. Um, so anyway, but she did have a cool character and a cool um, a, a cool look, a cool costume. So yeah, a pretty cool role. Yeah. I mean, type of, yeah. But I think she might have a nice spinoff story, perhaps, if that was to happen. Oh, yeah, very much so. All right, so Corey... You are a true diehard Star Wars fan. Yes. I mean, and even you, the diehard Star Wars fan, there are some movies that the diehard fans do not like. <laughs> so you're a true diehard fan. I yes. mean, you've got the Halloween costume that we've put together. Oh yes, that is now your dedicated Halloween costume for, for how many years now? A long time. <laughs> and you've got multiple lightsabers. Yes. that you've invested in. And all sorts of quirkiness. We just put up two posters. So, what do you think about the end of the Skywalker saga? Thinking about the whole storyline uh, from the from from, from Anakin, Anakin. Of, of to to now. Yeah, to Ray. So, or you could or you could say from Palpatine being senator to from Senator Palpatine reincarnated Emperor. to Frankenstein Palpatine. <laughs> 
how do you like how the story has evolved? Which I know is an interesting concept for you since you started in the middle, went to the beginning, and now have come to the end. I would have really liked to this would to have been wrapped up not so repetitive. I I, I, I like that. So maybe with some different different arc happenings. Yes. I like that. I remember reading For Ready Die and Entitled to Live. <laughs> I remember reading something a while back and they were talking, they were analyzing, I think it's episode, is it episode three that Anakin completely goes off the, I mean, I know he goes off the rails, but is the, that's the one where he completely goes off the rails. Yeah, like, he becomes Darth Vader. Yeah, that's that like movie. when he even kills the younglings, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. So I remember reading about that one, or not about that one, but I remember reading something and they were analyzing that movie and they were talking about that when you think about that story and you think about Anakin, it's such a dark story. And to my and knowledge, it, the only Star Wars movie that is PG-13. I th- probably. I don't know what this one was. I mean, that death for the Emperor was pretty crazy. It was very Raiders of the Lost Ark-esque. But that story, episode three, is really dark. And, and I guess they were also, they were talking about Anakin's life in general. And that Anakin's life... Even though you have cutesy Annie at the very beginning with episode one, his life is really dark. And it it's just trying to show that there was a lot more to him on turning to the dark side. Or I maybe a lot more justification is more so in line with what the article was talking about. But there was a lot more going on that would have turned him to the dark side. I mean, he and his mom were slaves. And, you know, even though it was kind of in cutesy... Star Wars area, it was still very hard, you know, and then he gets taken off, his mom gets sold, but she's got a good life, but then she gets, I guess, kidnapped, and she's tortured and died, and, you know, and so there's that darkness, and, you know, and he keeps on getting these weird visions, and so there's a lot going on, and then I always get frustrated that the Jedi Council, I felt like they were just feeding him to the Emperor. (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was just like you guys don't you know that he's got issues and yet you are putting him in the den with the emperor even though i know he wasn't the emperor yet but still i was just like they were not helping him the right way so it's almost as if they were forcing that fate to come those first three episodes perhaps they should have made them even darker to really showcase the justification of why Anakin went the way he went. Yeah, because before George Lucas made the movies, his goal, he said in one of his interviews, is when you see what Anakin went through that drove him to the dark side, you're going to look at him and go, man, you really can't blame the guy. Right. You know, And I don't think he pulled that off as well as he could have. I mean, yeah, mom had a horrific death, and yeah, lost his wife, but that was partially his own fault and everything, but... I don't think it was at the level as as what the fans were expecting after hearing that comment from him. Mm-hmm. So I I agree with that that I don't think it was portrayed that way. Okay, so a bit of a correction here: uh, the first six movies, Episode Three was the only one that was PG thirteen. However, this whole new trilogy, they're all PG thirteen. Oh, they just so, all stepped it up a notch. Yep. <laughs> Once they broke the mold, they just stuck with it. Yeah, sure did. But I guess... Once they crossed that line, I guess there was no going back. 
I am glad that the Skywalker saga has come to a close. It did not quite end exactly as I would have hoped from this movie. Yeah. From the ingredients that they had in the movie and the transitions that were happening in the film. Especially since, like, even with, like, the beginning with uh, episode eight or seven. No. Yes. Seven. With The Force Awakens. I think I was already thinking, like, that Kylo Ren was... Somewhat teetering. I mean, yes, he was awful, but it felt like he was still teetering. Battling something internally. Like, the whole point was, they were like, there is still good in him. There is good in him. Yeah. And, anyway, so... And then Ray, it's almost like her struggles was a battle of nature. Um, you know, just, like, who her... Who her ancestry is, <laughs> and well, she was also fear- fearful that she was going to fall fall in the same pit that you know that Anakin did and Kylo did, and mm-hmm. you know she was paranoiding paranoidingly trying to avoid that. Yeah, if that's a word. <laughs> sure. Sure, <laughs> it's our podcast. We make up whatever <laughs> words we want. What's the verdict? Does it make the movie shelf or not? I wanted to address the shelf now because our shelf has changed recently to where movies that we really, really, really like, we go out and we buy and it comes on the shelf. I have the first six episodes physically on the shelf in disc, but, you know, we had that Disney Plus now, which means in the future, we never have to buy a Marvel movie. We never have to buy another Star Wars movie because we just... Instantly have access to it, even to download, to like watch offline, personally away from the house and everything. But if we did not have that surface sur- service, if we did not have that service, I may be inclined to buy it just to complete the set. If that makes sense. Do we have the last Jedi? We have the. I don't. I don't think I, I even have the Force Awakens. We have the first six. I don't think I've actually bought any from the new trilogy yet. And oddly, as I was referring to, now I don't have to. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, as we've also discussed before, making the movie shelf does mean the physical shelf, but there's also the digital shelf, and there's also the mental, proactive, I want to keep on watching this movie often, often, often. So... I think for you, we at least have to think in the mental shelf, the mental movie shelf. So, does it make your mental movie shelf? Um, I'm going to say no. Ooh. Yeah, sadly. You and your Star Wars card saying no? Hey, I'm sure there are a lot of hardcore fans that says, hey, you can't beat the original trilogy still. Well, that's true. You are, your core is the original trilogy. Whereas, like, our daughter, she, she's started more so with the first three episodes. And um, so that's kind of her heart and soul of Star Wars. Like, she's all about Padme. Yes. <laughs> um, so she might have a d- different opinion. Um, I would say, actually, this one makes the movie shelf. I think it's fun to be able to complete the saga. I might just skip The Last Jedi, because that just annoyed me. <laughs> and I was like, this movie did not work out the way it needs to work out. And I'm sure most hardcore, diehard 
Star Wars fans would agree with me that any Star Wars fan that says that Empire Strikes Back is not their favorite episode is not a true Star Wars fan. <laughs> so I would say it makes the movie shelf. I liked it. I recommend it. In fact, we've already seen it twice. And seeing it twice was actually really cool because getting to see that or hear that scene again with the talking um, or all the voices of the Jedis um, helped make them stand out a little bit more. Um, We definitely saw it on the bigger screens with the better sound. And it's just a lot of fun. And if you just want to kind of be able to see, you know, some of the classic scenes again in that full circle, it works. However, on another note, since you mentioned Disney+, Plus, we have been totally having fun with The Mandalorian. Yes. So, of course, that series just finished, and so now we have to wait till next fall. Um, but we highly recommend for anyone that is a Star Wars fan, go check it out, because it's really cool. And I don't know anybody who's been watching it that doesn't love it. Okay, 2020 starts in like two days. Not even two days. It's close. (laughs) By the time this podcast is posted, I'm sure it will be 2020. (laughs) So we decided to kind of take a look at some of the films that are coming out in 2020. Pick out 20 that will be on our radar for the 20 for 2020. A lot of 20s there. Yes, a lot of 20s. You're you're critting really heavily. (laughs) Okay. The first movie on the list... Black Widow. Ah, of course. I'm hoping it will be quirky. I mean, it looks like it'll be serious. Got the classic action. I'm hoping David Harbour is going to add some quirkiness to it. It looks like he will from the previews. It looks like we're going to see a little bit more of the humanistic side, perhaps, of Scarlett Johansson's portrayal of Black Widow. So, hopefully. (laughs) I've been hearing some mixed messages from other people reviewing the trailer. Some people are thinking that it takes place after Civil War. Some people are saying that this is even before Iron Man 2. So where, where it's taking place, where I, at least I'm not entirely sure of. So it'll be interesting to see where they're placing it exactly. Okay. No Time to Die. James Bond. Yes. So I think this is supposed to be the last Daniel Craig James Bond. I'm not totally sure. But I, actually, right. <laughs> I like him as James Bond. I think he's doing a good job. I just don't like how they're going, like... Way back in the past with old tech. with Oh, but it was so cool to see the car. Yes, yes. That, that was a pretty cool scene on the trailer. Next on the 20 list, Mulan. Ah, uh, yes. I'm looking for that. One of my favorite Disney animated movies. That is true. You do like Mulan. And now they're making it real life without Mushu. Yeah, there's no Mushu. No Mushu. Wonder Woman. Looking forward to it. So it's been really cool because we saw that preview actually both times in the big theater with um, the Star Wars film. And definitely looking forward to it. I'm not sure exactly how it's playing out. I think there are mind games involved. Um, I agree. As far as the Steve Trevor character role um, in there, which, you know, I le- I adore Chris Pine. Um, I would love for him to re- be real. I just don't think he's really real. <laughs> That's what a lot of people are suspecting. I can't wait to see how um, Kristen Wiig is going to look as Cheetah. Because they haven't shown that yet, I don't think, in any of the trailers that they've been showing. And it's interesting that it has the Mandalorian in it. Yes, Pedro Pascal. (laughs) Pedro Pascal. (laughs) And if you haven't seen The Kingsman... 2, The Golden Circle. The Golden Circle. It's it's definitely a 
there's bizarre moments in the film, but it's a really cool um, character for Pedro Pascal. Yeah, so if you don't know who he is, it's a really good movie to watch to kind of get introduced to that actor. And then, of course, there's The Mandalorian. And I'm also intrigued the fact that not only is this 80s Wonder Woman, that's specific 1984, which that year carries such weight in, you know, the literary world of sorts. With the actual name of the book being 1984. Yes. And so I'm curious about if they're playing off of that at all. Kind of that big brother dystopian kind of concept. I mean, it looks like a normal 1984. It's just I wonder if they're yeah. somehow trying to play off of that in some sense with the villain. All right, next up on the list, Birds of Prey. So this is the Harley Quinn lead film, um, which I know we've talked about in a previous podcast as a a trailer that we've seen. Yeah, I'm calling it uh, Suicide Squad (laughs) 1.5. Now we have Top Gun Maverick. Looking forward to it. I was a huge fan of the original. Yes. It's really cool. Like when we saw the trailer and you hear that first like, Dong. Dong, and it's like, oh, that soundtrack is so great. <laughs> and um, Good old 80s soundtrack. The flying looks like it'll be great. I think it'll be another one to see on the big, big gigantic screen. With the amazing surround sound. Yeah, just to, to be as if you're flying up there with them. So if anything, it's just go for the eye candy. It looked like Miles Tanner, is that his name, or Tannen, Tanner? The Whiplash guy. It looks like he's in the film, and I'm curious if he's like... Goose's son, because he kind of has a goose look hmm. with the mustache. Interesting. I could be connecting wrong dots. Well, he did have a son in the right. original, and he was, you know, a little kid, so following daddy's footsteps, and maybe that would be nice. Yeah, that would be very um, wrapping a bow, <laughs> and <laughs> checking Meg, the boxes. <laughs> Meg Ryan still being there as mommy. <laughs> I haven't seen her on the list, but I think the last trailer we saw, we saw Jennifer Connelly, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize she was going to be in it. All right, so next on the list is Onward. And I can't remember, is this a Pixar film or a Disney film? I can't remember. Anyway, it's the one that has, it's an animated film, and it takes place, like, in Fantasy World. Um, but Fantasy World is not very fantasy-like. It's kind of like normal world. and But you have these two brothers that are going on an adventure to resurrect their dad. Resurrect the second half of their dad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So, and the key characters are voiced by Tom Holland and Chris Pratt. So, if nothing else, that should be quirky. And then, um, I know you're looking forward to this one, Doolittle. Actually, at first I wasn't, but with the more recent trailers, I'm like, okay, this is starting to look interesting. So, anyway, so this, of course, is the, uh, you know, the Dr. Doolittle concept where he can speak with animals. And it definitely looks like there are high adventures um, to be had. I just hope it's better than the Eddie Murphy ones, which I did not care for. Yeah, I didn't like those. I like Eddie Murphy, but I did not care for those movies. Yeah. All right. Ghostbusters. Uh, Did not care for the first remake. Oh, I like that one. Yeah, but this one's looking more interesting. Yeah. So this one is being directed by Ivan Reitman's son. And, you know, Ivan Reitman directed the original. And I thought, even though I haven't seen it in the trailer, I thought the originals are supposed to come back in some way. Um, of course, with the exception of Harold Ramis. Yeah. And, um, Egon. Yeah. But it was also really cool that I like the fact that they all made it in the, um, the, the Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig Ghostbusters as well. I love the fact that they were in that one as well. But anyway, even um, oh, Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. They were oh. all in there. Anyway, so this one definitely looks 
good. Um, I liked what my, I call her my superhero coworker. I like how she worded it, that it doesn't look spoofy. Like, it looks good. Yeah. So, we'll see. All right. King's Man, or The King's Man. It looks good. Yeah, so this one has Rafe Fiennes in it, and, oh, I forgot the guy's name, the actual, like, apprentice kind of guy. Um, I just know he was in Maleficent, I believe. So this one is like the Kingsman movies, but this is like The foundation of the organization. (laughs) Yes. So if you like those movies, then you should like this one. So it's on our radar. Godzilla vs. Kong. Ah, remake of a classic. Yeah. So you've been excited for that even before it probably existed. Even before the the first (laughs) Godzilla movie, because... There are people who knew it was eventually going to be coming somehow. <laughs> Bill and Ted face the music. For whatever reason, I am a big Bill and Ted fan. I really liked the first one. The second one was, like, interesting. But I am excited to see Bill and Ted come back together. And when you showed me the movie, it was like, yeah, that was that's enough for me. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> oh, Corey. Blah, blah, blah. And now we have Bloodshot. So Ooh, this is Vin yeah. Diesel. Yep. And we did determine it was based on a... Did we determine that it was based on a comics? Yes. Was it DC? Uh, I'm not familiar with that, so I'm not sure. Oh, okay. So he... I can't remember the full premise. I just... It looks like they work he gets on him. Inject, injected with a whole bunch of repairing nanites. <laughs> so, yeah, now you got a super soldier that can't die almost. So he's almost like Upgrade. Well... No, because, you know, the upgrade guy, he can he can bleed out from a bad injury or whatever. Okay. But never mind. Forget that. Yeah. Okay. Free guy. This looks interesting. I love the fact that I called it before you did. That I was like, he looks like he's like a video game and he's like the NPC. So what happens when NPC starts playing its own game? <laughs> <laughs> we also noticed that um, in October, right around my birthday, will be Halloween Kills. Mm. So this is the next installment of the Jamie Lee Curtis Halloween. Yeah, Laurie Strode's in it mm-hmm. again. Yes, and it's written by it's it's all by the same group that did just the twenty eight or twenty nineteen Halloween. Where supposedly Laurie Strode killed Michael again. Yeah. In the basement, <laughs> in the big explosion trap. Supposedly. <laughs> all right. But Michael Myers can't die for some reason. He's superhuman or something. <laughs> they, they really haven't. Like, Done a good job explaining that, but okay. Oh, well, it's, you know, classic horror movie. Um, it's kind of like when you play your Dead by Daylight and, you know, like, why you don't get to run and they do. Or, <laughs> but you still catch up to them. And, okay. Coming to America. So this is the sequel. Um, probably like... To what? Coming to America? Yes. Okay. <laughs> um, so Eddie Murphy and I don't know who all is going to be... Rephrasing the roles. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I I had so much fun and with that movie such a long time ago. And, I mean, one of the, the whole soup joke is one of my favorite things, even though that's just a little bit part that has nothing to do with the movie. Yeah, was that like an after-credit scene or something like that? Or? <laughs> it might be like a during-credit scene. Um, yeah. I just, I had a lot of fun with that movie, and it's silly, and, you know, watching... The various Eddie Murphy characters and the various Arsenio Hall characters I just enjoyed. All right. Conjuring 3. I have no clue of the premise. I am just excited that it is continuing because I like the Conjuring series. You are a huge fan of the Conjuring series. Yes. I am too, but I'm just a little bit more of a fan of the Insidious series. Hmm. I don't know. I might like the Conjuring more than the Insidious. I don't know, but they're both really great. Yes, they are. Venom 2. 
So I actually liked Venom. Can't remember how you fully fared on it. Well, I mean, they they blow the whole canon of how he got created. So I, I mean, once you blow out of the water, it was, it, it was hard to get stay excited for it. I had, so. I I went to see the movie with low expectations, and they were exceeded um, because I was like, oh, this is a little quirky. Um, I, as you know, really like Tom Hardy, and I I even had more fun to learn that he was the voice of Venom. <laughs> Like, it was almost like we were watching an organic version of Upgrade. <laughs> Upgrade <laughs> yeah. 2, organic-wise. <laughs> and I I think somehow that the Tom Holland Spider-Man is supposed to be in this Venom 2. I'm not exactly sure. I Again, I have no clue with the plot. I'm just excited. And then we have another reunion-type movie, Bad Boys for Life. So is this the third one? Or yes. The, okay, the I believe one. there was only two. So this is Martin Lawrence and Will Smith coming back together for the Bad Boys movie. And then we have the final list, or the final movie on our 20 list, Rhythm Section. So this is the movie with Blake Lively, and it looks like like her family gets killed. Um, I can't remember what they were doing. Like if they were on a somewhere like a plane or something. Anyway, her family's killed, and she's kind of out for revenge. I'm drawing a blank on that preview. Oh. Wow. Sorry. Sorry. I'm excited for it. It definitely looks like a different look and a different turn for Blake Lively. In fact, it was kind of hard to recognize her initially when I think the first preview I saw. It could also be that I've seen these previews while you were getting popcorn. I'm not told. Possibly. (laughs) And now, Corey, it's time for a side of bacon. Mmm, bacon. All right. So way back from our Gemini Man podcast... We were connecting Michael B. Jordan to Clive Owen. So I have it in three movies. All right. Well, we'll let you go ahead and reveal that first. Okay. So I have Clive Owen to Mickey Rourke in Sin City. Ah, A movie movie. with so many people. Yes. (laughs) And then Mickey Rourke with Sylvester Stallone in The Expendables. And then Sylvester Stallone with Michael B. Jordan in Creed. Ah, nice connection. Very nice. Yes. So what's your connection? Well, I have Michael B. Jordan to, I think his name is Dane DeHaan. Okay. And Chronicle. Okay. Dane DeHaan was the one that went crazy in that movie. Oh, okay. He was also the Green Goblin in the, right. the Middle Part of the Men movie and so forth. Yes. He was also the main actor in the movie of Valerian City of a Thousand Planets, uh-huh. of which Clive Owen is in. Oh, okay. I don't think I've seen that one. I haven't okay. either, but I was going through Clive Owen and I saw that he was in there. <laughs> I didn't realize it was in there, but I knew who the main actor was, and then, and it reminded me of Chronicles. Like, okay, All right. uh, that fits. <laughs> so we both got three movies, right? No, mine was two. Oh, yours were two. Yes. You just didn't like yours. Because I haven't seen one of the movies, but well, technically, I, 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 I got through not... it uh, using IMDb, so. Oh, okay. Well, technically, I have not seen The Expendables, nor have I seen Creep, but I knew that they were in those. <laughs> yeah, I did not know about Clive Owen being in uh, Valerian, but. Yeah, no, didn't know that. Ebony has a major role in that movie. So, do you have a bacon pick for this week, or this episode? Well, which one of us is pulling from the movie? Which you one of us is You tend to pulling? always pull from the movie. Oh, okay. I, I do, huh? Okay. Well, I'm just going to go with Adam Driver, then. Ooh, that's a good one. I'll do Gail Godot. Okay. Wonder Woman herself. Wonder Woman it is. So we have Adam Driver to Gail Godot. Thanks for listening to Movie Shelf. And if you would, hit that like button. And if you 
listening on your Apple device, leave us a comment and let us know what you think. And be sure to check our show notes page for links to movie trailers as well as our bacon reminders. We'll catch you next time, you guys. Bye. Bye bye.